Welcome to Folkcraft. I'm Temperance. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about entheogens and flying ointment. So this is kind of a new topic to me, but it is old hat for Aaron. So we're going to talk about, you know, what are flying ointments? What are entheogens? Are they always the same? Cautions, because there are cautions to using them. What the plants are that we use them for, kind of historical use versus the modern day use, and kind of any other things that we can think about. So let's break into it. Let's just start off the bat with definitions. What are entheogens? So the most basic definition you're going to get of an entheogen is the utilization of a mind-altering substance, typically from plants, but not always, uh, utilized for spiritual or religious purposes. So the difference between recreational drug use and entheogens comes down to intention. And that's uh, a very funny thing because we talk about it's all about intention or it's not all about intention a lot in kind of the occult circles, but that truly is the like anthropological differentiation between drug use and entheogenic use. Um, the most it, obvious example would be cannabis, right? Like we can just use that right now so that yes. we can explain that, right? Like you could use cannabis in your free time to just get high, but you could also use it ritually. Yeah. And, it, and I like, I think cannabis is a really, really good example because it has recreational medicinal and spiritual attributes to it, which is what most entheogens also have, right? A lot of our entheogens come to us out of medical knowledge, really. And I think cannabis is a perfect example of that. Um, so then what's the difference? What are flying ointments? So a flying ointment is a very specific kind of entheogen that comes to us primarily through European traditions and is normally a ointment that is traditionally out of a fat base. Um, if you listen to things like the, um, the trial records, then it's the fat of human babies that a witch has uh, rendered down. Uh, but more likely it's going to be pork fat, beef fat. Um, lard of some kind. Lard. And then you're. it's going to have some kind of um, poisonous plant material and you know we can get into the whole like anything's a poison if you have a large enough dose but these are primarily known for their poisonous attributes right um you've got your mandrakes your detora um devil's angel trumpet although angel trumpet would not have been in the european record right and all of those would get combined sometimes with other materials um modern uses right we normally have like a single plant ally or implant material in it, but a lot of these older European thing, recipes have multiple things listed within them. Um, sometimes they are psych psychoactive, sometimes they are not psychoactive at all. Um, it's kind of an interesting mishmash. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception, right? Because when I hear witches women or flying women, I'm automatically thinking psychoactive. I'm automatically thinking like take flight, hedge riding, that nature and so for me as someone who does not typically use entheogens and i've said that before in other podcasts it, it's it's very very new to my practice as of like this month but as someone who historically has not used them when i hear that word i'm automatically thinking spirit flight mind altering out of body 
And primarily that is also what we see in the record and in modern practice, right? There's a lot of, like you can have an herbal ointment that has different effects, but there's, there is this mishmash. Most recipes will be like five or six things in the record, one of which is psychoactive, four of which are, might or might not be. And there are some that have no um, psychoactive element at all, but those are slightly more rare. Um, these, I did just have my source pulled up for this and I don't know if I was not being smart and accidentally, I did. I changed the page. Um, so I don't have it on hand, but there are a couple records where they'll talk about magical ointments and they don't actually have any psychoactive ingredients. And there's a little bit of debate as to whether or not they can be considered witches ointments. Um, I think if you're going to, I, I think language is sometimes important and sometimes not. If you're going to call something a flying ointment, then people are going to expect it to ha to meet certain criteria, right? And this is especially important if you are purchasing an item. That's where things definitely, as a like, as witches and, and occult practitioners, if you're buying something because you want that psychoactive element, you really want to read through the ingredients and make sure that when someone's calling something a flying ointment, that you're really getting what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, so you're going to want to look for the detoras, the mandrakes, and all that good stuff. Um, there are certain things you're going to want to avoid, right? You're going to want to avoid using too much of a flying ointment because... Now, and I'll say this up front. In my experience of using flying ointments, these are not something that is going to put you on a trip or like have you seeing things on their own. And honestly, the thing that I utilize my ointments for primarily, at first it was that, that flying aspect, right? I make my own, I utilize my own, my plant allies that I grow that work with me and have a very intimate relationship. And it doesn't take much when I'm using them to get into my own trans state, which I think we'll touch on a little bit later. But in our house, when we have back pain, my my husband will always say, hey, can you go grab the flying ointment? My back is killing me. We, that's what we primarily use it for. A little bit of dab on the thumb and we rub it into that area that's affecting. We might use a little bit more, a little bit less. And, you know, you throw a shirt on. Normally we'll use a white shirt, um, just like a little like around the house because we don't want the grease to yeah. mess up our clothes. Um, I've slept with it on. Sometimes it gives me a little bit of a headache in the morning, but normally I'm pretty good. And... It is. It doesn't have any psychoactive effect on either of us when we utilize that. When I'm utilizing it within my trance practices, it is to me something that focuses. Whereas a lot of the time we think of the use of flying ointment, we associate it with ecstatic dance or ecstatic movement, getting into a trance state through the exertion of the body, which is a really, really powerful and important experience. I do utilize, I did utilize it like that until I moved into an apartment <laughs> where I have people below me and I have to be considerate of, you know, it's maybe 12 o'clock in the morning and if I'm pounding around, I'm probably going to wake up my downstairs neighbors who are very, very kind people and I don't want to do that. So I've, I I've changed a lot of my own practice to reflect that and the flying ointment does not have me seeing visions unless I'm sitting there taking a long time with it and really speaking with the plants, really working with them in such a way that I am bringing myself to that point and they are very much allies in that moment, right? They're yeah. helping move me along, but on their own, they have their chemical compounds. The alkaloids are at work, they're doing things, but it's not 
you're not going to see the face of God just by putting on a little bit of flying ointment is, is the point I'm trying to make. Cause I think that's another common misconception. Well, let's, that kind of brings it into maybe when would you see the face of God, right? Um, drug interactions, cautions for using these because there are modern pharmaceutical interactions that any user of plants should be aware of just because something is natural just because it's a plant doesn't mean that it's not going to interact with something that's already in your system 110 percent. my advice is always going to be first and foremost be safe um nothing that i say here or that tem says here is medical advice nothing that we say is something that can be just broadly applied to any one person because not only are our medication regimens and our uh, pill cocktails, they're all going to be different for everyone, but also our personal biochemistry. So what works for me is not going to work for temp is not going to work for somebody else. Right. Um, talk to your doctor. You don't have to say, Hey, I use mind altering flying ointments to go to the Sabbath and, and dance with the devil. You don't have to say that. You can say, I use a holistic medical or herbal ointment right and your doctor's gonna be like okay what's in it and then you can tell them and they'll find out if there's any interactions if you don't trust your doctor maybe don't use flying ointments because you just don't know and you're it's on google too there's a there's a i can't think of it off the top of my head but i'm gonna google it right now and see if i can think of it there is a website that will list drug interactions like pharmaceutical drug to herbal drug interactions that you can definitely like pop it in. Is that going to be the most like reputable source for you? Maybe not. Maybe you prefer having your medical doctor, but if you can't get to your doctor, you can Google most of these things. It'll pop up on like webmddrugs.com. There's a special website for this as well. And I, I definitely think that's a good thing just to have on hand. My personal advice would be that if you are at a place where you're not able to talk to your doctor then start working with the plant allies in a non-entheogenic setting first, right? Because in my personal opinion, the ointment is just a carrier for getting closer to the ally. Because most of these things you cannot consume safely in any way, shape, or form through drinking or eating. That's why we have the ointment. The ointment is basically a carrier for the plant and its chemicals when it's done subdermally, so when it's done through the skin, um, I'm, you can't see the video, but I'm touching my armpits because that's primarily where I apply mine in the bottoms of my feet. It will go through the body in a way that is not consuming, most of the time, right, harmful amounts of the chemicals that can cause harm. If you drink it, that's a totally different deal. Now, most of my experience and knowledge has to do with angel trumpets specifically, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that than some of the other um, common flying ointment ingredients, but angel trumpet is one that you absolutely do not want to be drinking. No, um, you shouldn't really ingest it at all. No, absolutely not. You should not. That's why ointment is the way that I utilize it. Um, and again, I'm also not going to talk about dosaging or anything like that because, uh, liability <laughs> and also yeah. everyone's biochemistry is going to be completely different. You never know how something's going to affect you, but and the plant as well, you don't know how much of the, the active chemicals are actually in the plant. Two plants growing in the same area can have two very different chemistries. That, and that could be the result of one plant is more heavily attacked than the other. The more heavily attacked a plant is, the more it's going to release of these active chemicals because those exist within the plant as a defense system, right? 
So if a plant is stressed or damaged, it's producing higher amounts of the chemical. I'm being just really because you can though. grow these plants too. I just want to like point it out because we're talking about angel trumpet. Just because you can grow these plants in your yard doesn't mean that you should necessarily grow these plants in your yard. Like um, I grow angel trumpet. I believe you grow angel trumpet. A mm-hmm. common one that people grow is like um, belladonna, foxglove people have. So there's like a lot of plants and there's obviously more more flying women plants that we are going to discuss in these. But, you know, as a cautionary tale, I have this huge angel trumpet tree. It's like a beautiful orange angel trumpet. And my old dog, she passed away last year, but this is not the reason she passed away. It's just, she got old. But when she was a puppy, she used to eat the angel trumpet flowers when they would fall from the tree and just trip balls for days. Like, and, and that's not the same effect that it would have on a person. It got to the point where we had to like kind of section off this plant in our yard. And anytime that you have a pet, because we didn't realize at the time that's what was happening. We were just like, oh, maybe something's like, maybe she's sick. We took her to the vet. They did like blood panels and we got down to what it was. Um, but anytime that you grow these plants, it becomes your responsibility to make them safe for your household. That's the biggest thing is making animals, right? And sometimes you'll have this because a one very common poisonous plant in Florida that is a decorational shrub, oleander. Oleander yeah. is super poisonous. There's no psychoactive uh, elements of that, by the way. Please don't try to make flying women out of oleander. I don't you think can't. it would be very good. I, don't, I do not know what it would be, but it would not be fun. Um, but we had a lot of oleander in our backyard when I was a little kid. And I just thought that they were pretty trees. And I was not exactly the smartest child. So one day, thank God my stepdad saw me doing this. I had a huge bowl. I collected a ton of oleander flowers and I was trying to quote, make a potion that I was going to drink. And my stepdad was like, Hey, what are you doing with all that oleander? And I was like, I'm going to make a potion. He was like, no, no, you are not. You will be sent to the hospital. Um, which also does lead me to, uh, hospitalizations of angel trumpet specifically in Florida. There is a, a angel, angel trumpet was very controversial for a long time in Florida because um, I think in 1997, there was a, a series of hospitalizations in Orlando and in Miami County or Dade County rather, where a lot of teenagers were essentially looking for drug alternatives. And this happens every couple of years where, yeah, um, like morning glory seeds was popular a couple of seeds, or, a couple of years ago, nutmeg, I think. Was um, the there's, um, a type of, oh God, is it called, um, I want to make sure I say it right so that I don't. Lavia um, divinorum. I feel like that's where this is going. No, okay. it is a type of. It looks like lavender. It's a type of sage, and um, also just like off the top of my head, Damiana. Every couple of years, Damiana comes back around and people smoke it. Um, I think you're thinking of Salvia divinorum, sage of the diviners. Yes. Yeah. And that is slightly, um, slightly, let me just pull it up. Yes, that is exactly the plant that I was looking for, salvia. I kept, Google, like, I kept typing it in wrong. Um, but yeah, it's a type of sage, but it does have some kind of effect. And I can remember being, like, 18 years old and one of my friends being like, yeah, you can smoke this. And I was like, mm, can you? 
You can. And I, I remember the same thing. And I think when I was 19 or 20, I tried it and I was like, this is fine. You could just smoke pot though. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, if it's legal in your area, because I'm not, I am not advocating breaking the law. We live in Florida and it's sort of legal here. Sort of legal. Pseudo legal. Um, it's legal if you have a card. So yeah, the, in, in terms of going back, pulling us back, right? Uh, cautions. Even if you don't have medications that you're using that might interact with it, be careful, right? Ha- tell someone in your household, like, hey, I'm going to use this thing that I've never used before. Um, I'm going to start out with a little bit. Do test sizes. I hear a lot of people say pea-sized, right? A little bit of pea-sized dab on the wrist um, as kind of a test patch. See if you have an allergic reaction to it. You know, Low and you slow start- until you know you're dosing. Right. And again, I'm, I'm never not going to recommend that you tell someone what you're doing. It would be the same rule as if you were trying dr- a new recreational drug for the first time, right? Have a sitter. And if you choose not to do that, that's on you. That's just my advice because you don't, it's not just the psychoactive element. You truly do not know how it is going to interact with you. No. Um, I tried a flying ointment before that did nothing for me except give me a huge rash. Oh, wow. Look what I'm allergic to. You know what I mean? And it, it, I had no psychoactive event. I just had this ugly rash on my wrist for a couple of days. Um, it wasn't bad. I, I talked to my doctor about it and it wasn't a big deal. But again, I talked to my doctor about it. I had people there with me. They noticed it before I did and I washed it off and I just, they had their thing for the rest of the night and I just sat there and kind of was like, good for you. I am itchy. So... I, but see, like, I, I, I guess, like, I'm just so extra cautious because, like, I'm a person, I'm on beta blockers, um, and so it's, like, it's not for my, it's not for my blood pressure, it's for a different condition, but they, you know, they treat blood pressure the same, and the whole part about beta blockers is that they force regulate your blood pressure and your heart rate, and so for me, I can have a lot of chemical interactions with plants that may or may not affect the way my beta blockers are working. Um, and so if you're on any kind of medication, even if you're not, you could have taken, you know, some kind of herbal whatever, and it's Stay going to, it. yeah, and it could completely interact with whatever you're about to take. I don't know. I think there's just like a lot of interactions there to be cautious of. Um, but it's- let's talk about... Hmm? Oh, I was just going to add one more thing. Um, and it's not to make flying ointments and witches ointments sound like the ookiest, spookiest, super dangerous. This is this applies to almost any kind of herbal supplement you, may, you might use, right? Yes. It just is a little extra more so because we are using poisons in flying ointment traditions. That's exactly what you're doing. You're utilizing a poison to get to an altered state. So it is a little bit of caution. I don't, but I don't want it to be like this ooky spooky it's always going to be horrific kind of thing. You just don't know until you're there with it. You've done your research and you've taken the time to get to know these things. Yeah. And it's, it's an individual journey. So let's talk about the plants that are kind of commonly used. I know we've already touched on angel trumpet because we both love angel trumpet, but there's other plants, right? Like we have foxglove, Dachora, mandrake. Yeah. So, I think my my favorite is always angel trumpet, right? I grow it and I work with it. Angel trumpet has a lot of cathonic qualities to it. Um, I, I've used, in terms of like to compare it to things that have been effective in my personal experience, I have used 
angel trumpet, two of my own creation, um, one which was much better than the other as I got better with understanding how to create ointments, right? I have one that's a little bit more like a, a cream than an ointment, really, uh, the first time I tried it, and then I have the one that I've been using for a number of years now, that is angel trumpet, and that is one that I use for things that have to relate to the underworld, right? If I'm going to do a descent, if I'm going to do something that's working with chthonic spirits, that's working with the dead, and even when I'm not trying to fly, but I am trying to bring that spirit into myself to help me with necromantic workings in my personal space, I'll still work with these ointments. So there is an application outside of just spirit flight, right? These are allies. These are spirits that are working with you. It's the spirit of the lard, the plant, the oil, all of it coming together to form a new entity that is working. And of course I'm coming from an animist framework, so I might have a slightly different viewpoint than maybe someone else would, but especially when you are distilling these things down, if you do make them yourself, um, which is none of my business, that's, that's on y'all. Um, it's, you really should, in my opinion, take the time to speak to each element of it. Now, again, earlier I said, traditionally, it's going to be animal fat. I think a lot of people are moving towards using wax, beeswax primarily. Um, sometimes just because of accessibility, right? It's a little mm -hmm. bit easier to get uh, beeswax sometimes than pork fat, depending well, on A lot of people live. are like vegan or vegetarian now, and that would yeah. not really have been a consideration 200 years ago, 300 years ago. And, it, and it's also easier to reduce or like to melt wax than to like carefully work with lard because it's a little bit easier to mess up um so i use i use beeswax in mine and have not had any issues um i would probably hypothesize that pork fat would be better because pigs have such similar similar um like chemistry to us i know people can have like pig organs and things like that because the genetics match up pretty closely. So pick up probably is one of the better ones just from that point of view. Um, but yeah, angel trumpet is something that I grow. It has a long history of being associated with a lot of things. And it also grows not naturally, right? I mean, like it's not a native plant, um, but it is, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of the word? Naturalized. It is a naturalized plant. Like it grows here, but it also does not, it's not invasive. It's not harming other plants, it's not taking resources away from them in the area. So it's very abundant. And that was something that was very attractive to me. And which is why I go towards that more than the detoras and the mandrakes and such, because this is what's near me. And this works well with me. And I do a lot of underworld work as it is. So angel trumpet is something that works really well for me. The How mandrake can't grow here. And I want like, that's like an important side note is like, we both live in South Florida south florida we yeah. can't grow mandrake here in outside no you can if you you can go like the super extra mile you can get the growing plants and you can like if you are talented at working with plants and keeping them potted in your home you can but it's going to be an extra step a, a couple extra steps actually it's harder to uh, okay i'm i guess like i'm coming from the perspective of like i can't very easily keep a plant alive in my right. household so i'm like ah, no can't grow it here because it can't grow it outside but it's not one of those plants that you could grow outside here at all absolutely not and you also even with angel trumpet i so i again apartment right 
I can't grow anything in the ground and angel trumpet thrives in the ground. Um, I've had some issues in the past. Um, Several, many of my plants have died because of mealybug infestations, right? And so, yeah, it was very sad. I don't like talking about it. Um, So there's, you can grow these things, even if you, even if they are natural or naturalized, they can have a rough time. So it's not, plants aren't as easy as they seem, right? Um, Yeah, mandrake is not gonna, it's not gonna thrive outdoors. Most of the things that we're going to talk about probably don't thrive outdoors, actually. Foxglove could, and foxglove is one of those plants, foxglove grows in Florida. I saw your face. It grows in Florida. No, no, no. My face was not about it growing in Florida. Um, My face is about whether or not it is something that we should utilize as a flying ointment. What is your, well, before we get into your critique of why not, I just want to point out that there is false foxglove. That is a plant that you absolutely would not want to be making anything out of and on top of that it's false foxglove is very abundant naturally through the south so if you are i think technically it's endangered in some areas but if you yeah um but if you're doing your thing and you are out in nature you're like oh this is a pretty foxglove it might not be it might not be especially if you're in the south so that's just a side note um but what is your critique on foxglove i'm curious because it's such a pretty plant it's a beautiful plant and I've grown foxglove and I've definitely had a connection to foxglove. However, the chemical compounds that are in foxglove are not the same kind of like alkaloids that you might be familiar with from your angel trumpets, your datoras, your belladonnas. It is, I'm not going to try to pronounce the chemical name because I don't want to butcher it and have people going off that. But essentially it is something... Foxglove chemical derivatives are utilized for things that are affecting the heart. Like they're all cardiac and foxglove poisoning basically like stops the muscle in the heart is my understanding. So utilizing foxglove as a flying ointment, A, it doesn't contain the chemicals you're looking for, right? It's not containing your alkaloids that are going to get you like into an altered state of consciousness. And if they are absorbed transdermally, there's that potential that you're going to get the things that actually affect your heart rate, which is not something you want to be messing with. Um, Just all around foxglove is something that I, again, I I think they're beautiful. I love that they look like tiny little hats. Um, (laughs) And there's definitely some work to be done with the ally that doesn't have to require it being distilled into an ointment and put onto your skin. Right? Because, again, it's just not going to do what you want it to do. Is it listed in traditional flying ointment recipes? Yes. But so is baby fat. Like, murdering babies and distilling their fat. And that's not... I mean, I just do that, like, casually every weekend anyway. I just go collect my baby fat. That's a a weekend activity, sure. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are uh, considered to be... That were considered to be very like, oh yeah, this is effective medical uh, application of something that we do not do today because we know better. We don't leech anymore, right? Um, There is an episode of My Strange Addiction, okay, like season five, My Strange Addiction, where a man leeches himself. Yeah. I don't think that that man is exactly uh, a medical connoisseur. <laughs> He's a medical understander. Lord have mercy. So, you know... Just because something's traditional 
And I really want to say this for my folkloric and traditional witches out there, especially if you're newer and haven't been on the scene very long, just because something's traditional doesn't mean that it should be done. Right. So what does the historical use of flying ointments look like? Let's talk about that. The historical use, what does it look like in the record? Yeah. Okay, so... Because that's where people are going, right? That's where people are going. They're trying to reconstruct and they're doing what they're doing. So what are we looking at historically versus modern? So let me tell it through the eyes of um, accused and self-proclaimed witches. And then let me tell it through the eyes of the inquisitors viewing it happening, right? Um, And anyone that wants to check sources, um, a lot of the information that I'm going to state has kind of come from across multiple sources, but a lot of it can come back to Thomas Hatz's book, The Witch's Ointment, The Secret History of Psychedelic Magic. That book, again, is The Witch's Ointment by Thomas Hatzis. So you can always... I'm sorry? It's a very good book. No, it's it's an excellent book. And you can always check what I'm saying with that and with other historical documents. Um, some of the things that I'll pull from, and I'm, I'm looking for the book right now, there's a couple different records written by inquisitors that talk about what they're looking at. Um, Emma Wilby's Cunning Folk, I believe, this is no, this is me going flying by the seat of my pants, I believe she has a couple accounts of people talking about flying weapons, and I believe um, Mathers, Cotton Mathers, talks about uh witches grease in yeah i think you're right in on the salem witch trials um which i have a copy down there i just don't have it's just something that popped in my head i was like i believe so from the witch's perspective oftentimes you'll have this account that will talk about um often a woman who is applying a grease made of various sundry things oftentimes you're going to have one of these big bad um Saturnian magical plants that's a part of it and she's slathering it on her body um I don't so sidebar within the sidebar I don't know about the whole broomstick thing right there's a a long kind of I don't know if it's a myth or not because I don't remember it being something that's heavily attested that they would slather a broomstick in witch's grease and put it within that is heavily discussed um right i know it's very much talked about but i don't know that there's actually a lot of a long-standing record of that actually taking place within um so most of it is just they apply it right and then in their perspective they fly sometimes depending on who's telling the story their spirit leaves the body and sometimes they shape shift into an animal form. And sometimes they do not leave the body and in physical bodily form, uh, move from a window and go. And typically there's accounts of going to the Sabbath, but it's not restricted to that. You also have stories of witches putting on grease and then kind of just causing mayhem throughout the town. Um, pissing in distilleries is one big thing. Like, drinking everything in a distillery and then pissing into it um, so that it doesn't seem like it's actually been drunk out of. Um, horse riding, right? So um, going to someone who's wronged you, shape-shifting them into a horse and riding them all night. And then, of course, you have the classic going to the witch's Sabbath. So the flying aspect wasn't always just to go and convene with the the devil or the old man, or the fairies, sometimes it was to actually disrupt 
kind of the status quo of the society and to go out and cause trouble or even to do maleficium, right? To affect someone or something negatively via flight. So that's kind of what we have in the historical record of what witches do. The inquisitors, and I believe this is directly from um, the witches ointment where they talk about a witch who's claiming that she can that she can fly. And so they go and they observe her actually take doing this and they see her putting on the ointment and then falling into like borderline a coma is how it's described and kind of like every once in a while shaking. So they just sit there kind of bored watching a woman kind of shake in a bed, but in her mind she has boom left the body. And again, where are we getting these from? people's biased perspectives, but that's kind of what it looks like in those two sources. And then in the folklore, we actually have a lot of American folklore that talks about witches Greece. And it's very often just referred to as Greece, right? And they don't actually talk about the active elements within it, which I think is really interesting. And it can be used for tons of things in American folklore. Um, skin turning or the removal of the skin to change shape and leave the body, um, to fly through keyholes or chimneys to um, turn into animals to um, reduce size. Like there's just so many different applications in the folklore and in the folk stories, of course, where, you know, uh, reality is very, very malleable and, and shifts around via whatever kind of cultural conceptions people have. The viewer who's often also the narrator is normally just a normal dude who happens to watch a witch or witches using this. So then the accounts of what they do line up where, and it normally there is an element of flight somehow. Uh, there's this ability for Greece to translate into the witch being able to levitate, move the body. Um, I do really like the ones where they get to take their skin off. Like I just love that image of removing your skin. And I think it's a very useful image when you're trying to do things that are similar right? When you're actually applying this into your practice. It is a debated topic, even within our own community. Was this something that was done? Was this widespread? Is this something that we've recreated? Because we, we do as a community kind of embellish oh, yeah. history for our own purposes. We've done that. I mean, we've come, we've come a long way from saying that Wicca is an ancient religion. Right. So this is something that our community does. And so this is going to be one of those things that has continued to be talked about and debated. Absolutely. But I think that's important to get into the conversation about what the historical use of flying ointments are versus how we use them today. So how do we use them today? Because you are the flying ointment user of this chat right now. So I use them. I'll, I'll talk about my entire, like my whole journey throughout my relationship with flying ointments. Um, because it has changed. And again, more so because of life circumstances than anything else. Um, when I first was introduced to them, it was in a trance experience. Um, and one of the things that I don't often talk about, but it is a part of my personal practice, is mediumship or necromancy, if you want to be spooky-ooky about it. Um, but it really is more along the lines of traditional mediumship. Um, I do not go up to people in the uh, in the target asking them if they have someone in their family who uh, who died. I am not. Do you know someone named Jim? Did he wear a red shirt? Have you ever known a man that had a face? See, I have a gift. I knew it. I knew you knew a man 
and he had a face. And this is this is my gift. It's my gift. It comes from the, it, it just comes to me. It just comes to me. Um, I, I listen. I adore. I adore Teresa Caputo. As I am making fun of her, I do adore her. That's when I say mediumship. That's not my whole deal. Yeah. Um, but it is something that's a part of my practice. Um, and that was the original context that flying ointments came to me. It was just a application of them within that channeling practice that I do. But I didn't own the flying ointment. So I also did not have that relationship with the plant, with the container, with the specific one. So it was, it did help in terms of getting me focused, but it was not what some people I had read up until that point had described of being like, this will break down the psychic barriers within your mind and you will be freed from the body. I, I had had much higher success with drumming and rattling and dancing for that kind of work than I had just the application and a little bit of meditation, right? So it, it did help in this channeling work, but it wasn't this big effect that I had been hearing some people talk about. I had heard other people say like, no, it's not going to do that. And it was kind of up in the air. Um, I probably didn't use for a couple more years because I didn't own the container and I didn't feel like buying it. Um, but eventually when I got my own house and I started growing my own poisons, that's where my relationship with flying ointments changed drastically because I was now nurturing a plant talking to it, creating a relationship that I really had never had before. And it really became, I won't say it was a familiar relationship, but it was very, like it was just on the precipice of that because of how intimately we're communicating um, and working together. And when I say communication, I don't mean like I'd walk outside and my, I, I would hear a voice in my head saying, good morning. You know, it, it was very much that I dare, dare I say the mystery, right? It's that feeling of communication. It's that feeling of bonding with another living thing that can't communicate with you. On no, I definitely go out to my plants once a week and I say, sorry, I forgot to water you guys. <laughs> I do it at least once a week. Yeah. Um, these were by my front door uh, in my old place. So it was kind of hard to, to forget about them. Here where I have a patio, it's a little different. So when I'm actually growing the plants and creating this relationship and then when it's time to take flowers off and a couple leaves to start making the ointment, then it becomes a whole nother thing. Cause now it is the distillation and the transformation of these plant materials and the distillation of its spirit into a completely new form. And so I'm working with the, the wax, the oil, and even the heat, the container it's being put in all these different things that are adding to it where the whole time, I'm in kind of this trance state, not an altered state because of chemicals, but a trance state of just communion, right? Of speaking to each aspect that is going into this, um, of blessing in a passing way, not like I consecrate you or anything like that, but just speaking the name of, of the beeswax and, and saying how it's going to boil down and just almost like narrating what is happening as each piece comes down and creates this ointment it cools down i think the same night that i did my very first batch i did a very extended um transformation ritual where and this is a huge part of my utilization of makeup and, dra and, and drag in magic as well 
Um, I did a lot of possession work when I was doing more ecstatic dance. So I would utilize makeup. And so I would apply flying ointment. Let me actually go in order, right? Apply the flying ointment the whole time. I'm kind of speaking the charms into it. Sometimes it's not a written charm that I'm stating the same every time, but it is a charm. It is coaxing the spirit out. It is mixing the spirit with my own biochemistry and then washing my hands because I'm about to start touching my face, right? Um, Dawn dish soap is the best to use, uh, just like the commercials say. It cuts the grease. Dawn, if you're listening and you want to give us money for sponsorship, please do. Dawn, sponsor us. I'm going to tag you in the comments. <laughs> and But it genuinely is the best because you are working with grease. So you want to make sure that that's off your hand if you are going to touch your face after applying it. Um, and if you're like me and you just touch your face all the time, uh, which sucks during uh, this, this current era, um, then you definitely want to be using a, a grease cutting soap, um, even if it is rough on the hands. And then I would apply the makeup to kind of change my face into, again, like with the way that I word it is with every brush stroke, you are transforming your body into the body of the spirit that you, that will inhabit you. And by the time I'm done with that, because applying makeup, especially if you have a little bit of drag, and I'm not saying I'm very good at drag, I'm, I'm kind of not. Um, but every time you do it, you do have a ritual of that as well. There's a ritual that goes into your drag and to applying your makeup and putting on the clothes and all that good stuff. So it really is this full transformation that starts with the application of the flying ointment, which allows you to become more receptive to the transformation you're undergoing. Um, following that would be the actual dance. And I'm not always going to have someone there who's like steady drumming. I do have a, a, a deer skin drum, but what I would normally do is put on queer house music and I would dance to that. And cause that is, that is the music that I have done a lot of magic to. I've done a lot of work in clubs in raising spirit and energy for myself. And so that's what I bring into my home, especially if I'm doing drag and this is my kind of queer expression of what magic is. And then you get to that point where the spirit is a part of you and you are transforming, you're taking on those qualities and those messages, those things are coming through to you. I normally only do possession work when there's other folks around. So of course there is a little bit of kind of transmission of messages but there is something to be said about doing possession work solo and taking on those qualities of the spirit and allowing them to enter into you so that you retain some of those qualities within yourself. Um, and it is exhausting work. And the flying ointment, one of the other things to pay attention to with flying ointment is how it affects your hydration, especially if you're doing ecstatic dance. You should have water around anyway if you're doing ecstatic dance or flying ointment separately. But if you're doing them together, definitely have water around. Um, because I would just drop. And as I'm dropping, I'm speaking in tongues and I am professing prophecies and I'm providing messages. And sometimes it would be helpful to have a recorder on hand, um, whether that's a person who's writing down what you're saying, which I've used before, or just a voice recorder, which I actually think is more reliable than a person because then you get to go back and listen to it. Sometimes it's a little nonsensical even for me. And then sometimes it would be something that is, oh wow, this is genuinely profound for me and very helpful. Um, so that's one side of my experiences with flying ointment, right? And even in that example, it's not just the flying ointment. 
it is one component, one spirit ally that is a part of a whole other. It's one piece of the puzzle. Right. Something that you touched on there real quick before I move on is that you talked about recording. And I think that's really important and relevant. I just want to express it even more. I record, we're in modern era. Okay, we are in the modern era. I record, like video record, most of everything that I do. Um, Because your phone's always with you. It's always with you. It's always around, right? So I just set up phone recordings and I have a digital grimoire. I mean, I have a paper one too, where I write down like relevant things, but I have this kind of digital record where I will attach like the video, like I'll have a whole write-up of what Mm -hmm. I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I just attach the video into the page so that I can review it at any point. Like recording what you do serves a number of purposes, but it helps you in the future, go back and see what did and didn't work, what came to pass, what didn't come to pass, anything that you could have missed the first time you did it. Um, It gives you insight into how you've grown as a spiritual practitioner. So even if you're not recording it on your phone, even if you're not using a voice recorder, I do highly recommend anytime you do some kind of spiritual journey to record it in some way or form. Hard agree. Hard agree. Um, I love... I. I... (laughs) I'm such a fucking child of the 90s. The whole time you're talking about this, I'm like, ooh, Temperance is a techno-pagan. Techno-pagan. I, I use my floppy disk of shadows. Yes! Uh, thank you, Buffy. That's where I first heard that term. Um, I feel like all of, if there are like younger listeners in their like late teens and 20s, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Well, um, you know, okay, I just recently read... Um, Wicca by Scott Cunningham again, so that I could give it a review on TikTok. And that's actually a passage from his book is Techno Pagans and Floppy Disco Shadows. It's in Wicca by Scott Cunningham. So fucking funny. Because I feel like that's in some ways, um, maybe not the, I like what, that you like plug your videos into that. Um, but I think in some ways, the, we kind of just take it as a, as a given now, but it, recording is super important for exactly what you say. Like a lot of the times what we're doing is experimenting. Um, of course, we're not using the scientific method because magic and science are not the same and they don't need to be. Um, although there's some crossover when you're doing things like flying ointments, because you do need to be aware of what you're using in this, in the portions. Um, Cause you can mess up ointments really easy. Trust me. You can mess them up really easily and totally, totally mess everything up. But when you're doing actual magical um, works and journeys, you do want to know what's the most effective for you. And your memory is not reliable on a good day. Your memory, when you're in an altered state of consciousness, doing trance work and maybe dancing or drumming or rattling for yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely not going to be reliable. So recording as soon as you possibly can or during can be really, really helpful. Yes. 10 out of 10 recommend you can have like a good notes thing or a Google doc or whatever. I find that most people like the allure, the um, concept of a written handwritten documentation. They want a grimoire. They want a book of shadows, but in today's day and age, you're most likely going to be demotivated to handwrite and you're going to have a much easier time actually recording something. If you just throw it into the notes app of your phone or into a Google Doc or something, something that you can hold and access. And you know what? I'm such a big proponent of 
I have a written copy and a digital copy of pretty much everything. Having a digital copy allows you to just look in the cloud for whatever you're looking for, no matter where you are at any point in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And you can do both because I love my, be- I have a very, very fancy hand, like I hand bound my shadows. Yeah, this is all me. Um, yeah. And so it's very nice and it's all like hand tooled leather. And it, again, I made it myself. It's something that, and that's just one of the many books. I love books. But my notes app has all the starts of that stuff in it. I want to see mine. I'm sorry. Your Book of Shadows is so pretty. Do you want to see mine? Yeah. I fucking love it. It's a Rolodex for anyone who's not seeing this. It's yeah, awesome. It's my grimoire decks is what I call it. Grimoire decks. I like it. It's like a... Because I just use a bunch of notebooks. I, I really don't care. I will use a bunch of notebooks. So I'll either have a reference to the passage that I would want to record in the in the Rolodex, mm-hmm. or I will like fold up the paper and attach it to a Rolodex card. Well, and the thing about this is, do you think this is the first thing that I write in? No! Absolutely not. I will, I have one, two, three, four, I have four notebooks, two sticky pads, and then my notes apps. And that's where all this stuff comes. And then I will put them back together, depending on which I had closest to me at the time, because I just have- That's why the Grimoire, that's why the Rolodex makes sense, is because it, it condenses all of the locations for everything that I have into one, like I can flip through, find, oh, I have like planetary- sigils in mm-hmm. this notebook around this page right and so everything will eventually after i've done the experiment multiple times um or if I've, I've done the working multiple times and seen what will be effective for me that's when it goes into the big book that's what i call it the big book the big book fancy and it's i'm very much a child of charmed the original charm which i found out recently that people think that the, tw- the 2018 is the original charmed and that hurts my soul um but the like i am a child of that era where we want the big grimoire with our uh, personal symbol on it. And yeah, I, I get to have it. I feel very fancy. But that is where the things go when they're final, right? Um, do you want to jump in one more time real quick and talk about what my use of flying ointments looks yes, like Yes, let's, let's, so for me as a non, I'm going to say this, as a non-flying ointment user who has only branched into entheogens this month, um, my experience on what they would feel like is going to be so different from what your experience feels like, right? So Absolutely. for me, like my very first experience was this month, I did a drawing down and, um, and I was not, I did not use a flying ointment. I was, I used something else and I was so out of body. It would almost be described as dissociative. Like I was so out of body And it took a long time for me to get back into body. And so it was like my first experience and I was like, what the fuck? Um, So I'm curious, like as someone who actually uses flying ointments, what does it feel like? And, you know, kind of what, what would be something that you would recommend for someone who's maybe curious about getting into them? So I want to go with the recommendations thing first, because I want to get this out of the way. And this is going to be, I'm sure, really frustrating to a lot of listeners. I don't really have any suggestions because I make my own, but I, I'm never going to sell mine, A, um, because that's just not what I do. And I don't use any of the ones that are being made 
by other people. So I can't really recommend anything. What I can recommend people to start with would be to read um, Tom Hatz's book um, because that's going to give you a really good understanding of things. And then to maybe just start experimenting with non-psychoactive ointments with herbs and plants that you have an existing relationship with. So that's my recommendation. I'm sure that's kind of disappointing to some people. Um, it's your journey. You can kind of figure it out on your own. I'm not going to tell you who's reputable and who's not when I'm not actively using those things myself. What I can say is that what it is for me, flying ointments, and again, I've used Belladonna Datura and Angel Trumpet, and I've settled on the, the Angel Trumpet is the thing that works for me. The other ones have been okay, but they have not had nearly the same impact as the one I made myself with Angel Trumpet, which I have a strong, long-lasting relationship with. And it is, depending on what state I'm going into it with, it either ranges from being focusing to being almost heady. Um, I don't know that I would compare it to cannabis because to me, cannabis affects me very, very strongly, um, or at least it did when I was using it. I wouldn't get it, I wouldn't compare it quite to that level. Um, but it is something that I'm very aware of my body, which is kind of ironic because a lot of people are using fly, flying ointments to leave the body. For me, it makes me even more aware of my body, which is actually a helpful tool in leaving the body because the more aware of it you are, the more aware you are of those little places where you can start to slip out of it. Um, and when I'm doing ecstatic dance, there is that prickling. I don't know how else to describe it. I've not been able mm -hmm. to, like, there's a prickling sensation when... Like tingly? Yeah. Um, so, and this is something, I know that there's a word for this. It, oh, yeah. Um, Freaking ASMR. What what does that actually mean? Oh. Autosomatic. Um, hold on, hold on. Let's Google it. ASMR meaning. Okay. Um, Autonomous sensory meridian response. Wow, I was so wrong. But so that, I didn't know, like I would hear people talk about ASMR and I just thought it was the weird pickle lady. <laughs> She's not weird. I don't mean to say it, to dismiss her. They but, make so um, much money. I'm sure. God bless her. I wish I had done that. I'll fucking eat pickles on camera for a million dollars, whatever. Um, but that sensation that people describe with ASMR, that's what I feel when I'm doing spirit work, like and when I say spirit work, I mean like I'm talking to spirits, I'm raising spirits, conjuring, calling, that kind of stuff. Or if I'm just sitting on my couch and my husband, Abuelita, wants to tell him something. Like whenever spirits are me, I feel that and it's kind of at the, the top of my head and goes back into my neck. If I'm using flying ointment and ecstatic dance, that goes over my entire body in waves. So it is a very, very intense feeling. If I am doing trance work where I'm counting beads on a rosary and reciting like my prayers. I obviously don't do it the way a Catholic would, um, with it in my body. I do, I do feel a very distinct difference between when I'm doing these prayers without the ointment and with the ointment. They're both effective, but with the ointment brings that element of bodily awareness. And instead of feeling waves coming over, it is this kind of starting at the top of the head, and kind of filling the body. And again, it makes me very aware. It makes me much more focused because I'm very easily distracted. Um, and it is something 
Um, it is something that is distinct, but again, it's not this like crazy kind of out of body. I don't, now I do have a little bit of a history of hearing spirits. I've never been one to see it like, um, Claire audience, I think is the, the fancy supernatural term. Um, entheogens is all about the context. If you're using it, like, I think let's go back to pot real quick. I've used marijuana recreationally a lot in my younger twenties. I don't do it anymore because I don't particularly like it. Um, and I don't like the way drugs make me feel as a human being. That's just me. And I've used it entheogenically twice back in the same period of time when I was doing it recreationally. When I would do it recreationally, I would just kind of go to bed. I didn't, I've never had any, like, I mean, that, that's just what it did for me. Like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't get the munchie, like, none of that. Like, I did giggle a lot, and then I would go to bed. Like, those were the two things that I would do. The two times that I used it entheogenically, I sat up, and I could hear spirits talking to me. And it was very clear. Very, very clear. And it was all within the context. I was doing it with somebody else because this is the first time I was doing this. And I never liked, I mean, I never used drugs alone to begin with. So I had someone else there with me and we did it within a ritual context. And we both just had kind of notepads and drawing pads around us and just kind of did what came. Now the notes afterwards were garbage. They meant nothing uh, because my fine motor skills go out the fucking window the moment that I utilize those substances. But I did have some record of what was going, what was being said to me. And it was all things that was like, here's something that you can do better. Like it was all like little bits of, some of it was bullshit. Um, but some of it was genuinely good advice that I would not have had without that experience. When I'm using flying ointments in a sit down ecstatic experience, which I think is actually harder to achieve than when you're doing um, dance, but like utilizing your breath work and utilizing, um, I hate using the word mantra, but repetitive chanting kind of techniques. It's the word that describes what you're talking about. Oh yeah, mantra, right, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were asking a question. <laughs> no, 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 just stating that it, that is the right word. I mean, whether whether it has societal implications or not, that's the word. Right. I think that's a harder way to achieve trance for me anyway than dances, but it is something that is what I'm able to do um, with my current living situation. And that is another situation where I will actually have those clear audience experiences where spirit, like I will be able to have those kind of picture flashes in my head, but every once in a while I will get half a sentence and it sounds like it's coming from outside of the body. And that's a very rare experience for me. And it's something that I don't take for granted. And it's not always very easy. Like I will hear it and be like, what? Like even today, after knowing that it might happen, it still is something that takes me off guard a little bit. Um, so again, I've never had an insane, like seeing the dead kind of experience with my flying moments, but it has been profound. It has been intimate and it has been important. And I think that, that that's my takeaway for flying moments in general is that when you cultivate this rela relationship with these spirits and you work with them in a way that acknowledges their autonomy 
and their messages and what they bring to the table as a whole full-fledged entity, then you have a journey in front of you that's going to be very fulfilling and very um, powerful. And that's why I like flying ointments. And I don't use them for every single work I do. I use them when big things are happening and there is a need to really, really meld with that spirit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my current, that's where I'm at in my current journey. That's what it feels like for me to utilize it. And flying ointments are actually the only entheogens I currently utilize. Um, cause I don't, uh, I don't smoke the devil's lettuce nor drink the devil's alcohol. Um, so Can you even work with the devil then? Like, I know I'm <laughs> such a fluffy bunny. Does anybody even still say that anymore? yeah no but you know what we can bring it back we can bring it back we brought back the floppy disk of shadows for this episode so if you'd like to find us where would they find you or where can the people find you aaron um i'm on the instagrams at aaron obrin that's the only place you'll find me <laughs> we gotta get you more places and i am temperance you can find me on instagram tiktok twitter twitch pretty much anywhere um my book Year of the Witch is available everywhere books are sold. And you know what? So is Aaron's. Oh yeah. I have a pretty good book. It's called Southern Cunning, American Folkloric Witchcraft and or Folkloric Witchcraft in the American South. Um it's really fun, I think. It's pretty good. Yeah. And thanks for being here. Ciao.